0: Let us hear the gospel. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition." And he called the people to him and again, and said to them, Hear me, all you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Praise Christ for his glorious gospel. Praise Praise be to thee, O Christ. Christ. Please be seated.
1: We are looking and continuing on the same gospel reading that Royce just read for us. And so I believe you'll see this on page 842 of the Pew Bible there. And... (laughs) It's one of the things about visiting a church to preach, or, or even just if you're visiting a church in general, like if you're visiting here today, you may find this something familiar. The feeling that everybody's watching you. Kind of checking you out. What's he wearing? Does he raise his hand? Have you ever seen somebody raising their hands while they're singing in worship? Does he do that? Or does he put his hands in his pockets while he's singing? This robe doesn't have any pockets, but I'm generally the pocket guy. Um, well, that's kind of what's happening here in this reading. It's an interesting scene in the earthly ministry of our Lord Jesus. By this time, the earth, in, this, in his ministry, it's going full swing. For instance, just one chapter before this, in chapter 6, we read about this place, Genesaret, where people who were sick were being laid out in the marketplaces, just hoping to grab the fringe of Jesus' garment so that they would be healed. And sure enough, that's what happened. In that same chapter, chapter 6, we see the feeding of the 5,000 men. That's not counting the the women and children that were there as well. So many people knew what was going on. And at this point, there was a delegation of Pharisees and scribes that were sent from Jerusalem to come check them out. What's this guy about? It wasn't the only time, though, that he had encountered Pharisees. Very early on in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, and it seems like every time the Pharisees encounter Jesus, there's always something having to do with food. Chapter 2 the first thing they say to him is, Why are you eating with these sinners and tax collectors? You know, Jesus' response was, I came for sinners. Shortly thereafter, they asked him, How come you don't fast and your disciples don't fast? His response, So the reason why you fast is right here it's me, it's Jesus. And then scene that many of you are familiar with Jesus and his disciples walking through a field of grain and as they're walking they're, they're plucking the heads of grain and eating them, It's kind of a snack the thing is it's on the Sabbath the Pharisee's like how dare you Jesus' response again you don't get it You were made in the image of God. The Sabbath. You weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you. So again, this is not the first time that he's encountering Pharisees, but this is a special delegation that's been sent. Check this guy out. The foodie Pharisees. I'm going to call them for a second. And what I think as we consider this text for us today, Jesus has two questions for us. There are two questions, but really they're the same question. Does that make sense? It's the same question, just put in two different ways. The first one, verses 1 through 13, what are we holding on to? The second one, verse 14 to 23. What's in your heart? What are we holding on to? What's in our hearts? Both the same question, just asked differently. First one, what are you holding on to? The one thing, the delegation, the only thing, the delegation of Pharisees noticed was that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled. In other words, they did not wash their hands. Now, for you young ones, here, washing your hands is good. It's a good thing. But they're not talking about washing hands the same way that we talk about washing hands. I have three young children at home, and I'm probably going to say wash your hands about a dozen times before the day is over. This is a religious ritual of washing hands. Before every meal, and between each course within the meal, the water for washing was kept in stone jars, special stone jars. And you were to the way you would wash your hands is you would hold your your, your hands up like with your fingers sticking up, and, and then you'd use your fist, and with your fist you cleanse one side of your hand, and then the other side of your hand, and then you do the same with the other one. But what that does is that it still keeps the defiled the water, which is only a little bit of water, it's not even washing much, on your hands. So what you got to do then is you, you kind of flip your, your fingers down, and then you pour water over your hands. It kind of looks like you're going into surgery in a sense. This is before every meal and in between courses. Can you imagine this? So, um, I guess we can say, I can ask you a question, right? Um, where in Scripture do we see this? What book of the Bible do we find this? Is it the book of Hesitations? It's not a real book in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's not, it's not there. This is exactly why Jesus proceeds to quote directly from the prophet Isaiah. This people honors me with their lips, he says, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. It's a washing of hands that's supposedly linked to the ceremonial laws of cleansing in Leviticus 11-17. But there's nothing in there about this kind of hand washing. The priests had to wash their hands before they entered certain places in the temple. But not like this. Now, there's nothing wrong with washing hands. Even if it was a ritual of sorts. But the disciples aren't breaking any laws here the ritual of washing hands is not in the Bible. It's part of a tradition of elders. The key verse here is verse 8. If you're looking at your screen. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Again, there's nothing wrong with tradition. Tradition but when it means that you're leaving the commandment of God, there's a problem. Once again, our question, what are we holding on to? There's nothing wrong with the tradition itself, but with holding on to anything, anything, doesn't have to be tradition. And at the same time, Departing, leaving the commandment of God, what we're doing is we are rejecting the Messiah. We are rejecting the Lord Jesus, the Savior of our souls. What are we holding on to? It could be a lot of things. Maybe it's a job. And holding on to that and holding tighter is also causing us to step away from the commandments of the Lord. It could be a person that we say we love, and as we squeeze and hold tighter, we are walking away from the Lord. It could be money. Possessions. It could be some kind of identity that we've created for ourselves. I want people to think I'm smart. And in doing that, I'm not honoring God, I'm not obeying the commandments, I'm not loving God and loving my neighbor as I should. It could even be ministry. I know pastors that are in love with the work, but they've lost their love for the Lord. This tradition was supposed to keep your hands from being defiled. That word defile can also be translated as common. It means the opposite of holy We see it a handful of times in the New Testament especially in relation to feet and hands It points to an incapacity to have fellowship with God It's a picture of sin It's a picture of sin the Pharisees and scribes are holding on to this ritual washing when God's word makes no mention of it. It's the worst form of legalism there is because they're obligating others to do it. For example, this week I heard about a school district's new rules trying to mitigate the spread of this covid-19. And in one case it meant that wrestlers were able to wrestle as they normally would. But if you were to follow the strict rule of the law, you couldn't shake hands before and after. It's ridiculous, right? The rule is worthless. Well, these Pharisees won't shake your hand before or after wrestling. Get my point? And Jesus calls them out in a big way. Look at verse 9. You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. You can kind of note the tone of his voice in this. The example he uses shows us the depth to which the human heart, even the human heart of a religious person, Can plummet to. Honor your mother and father, the commandment says. These same kinds of traditions of the elders made it so that they could say, hey, mom and dad, I'm sorry, I I can't help you in your old age because I've dedicated everything I have to God, which in and of itself is a good thing. But when you're putting it up against the commandment, another commandment, it comes from the pit of hell. Once again, holding on to something while rejecting the commandment of God, and it doesn't end there. Verse 13, and many such things you do. This is just the beginning. Of this system, we see what they're holding on to. The traditions. Where are the hearts of these Pharisees and scribes? No wonder when Jesus refers to them and he calls them he calls them vipers. They are not in God's word. Their hearts, not in God's Word. They are not receptive to the salvation that Jesus has brought. They say they love the law and have lost sight of the lawgiver. And so I ask us what are we holding on to? Where are our hearts? true Christianity is a religion of the heart. It's the heart where sin comes from. Your problem is within you as my problem is within me. I heard a pastor once say that Jesus came to rescue you from you. He came to rescue me from me. And he came to deliver us from us. Verse 14, Jesus then proceeded to call the people. At first he was talking to just these Pharisees and scribes, but he stops and says, Everybody, come here, I've got to teach you something. Come here. And he proceeds to give them a theology lesson about the human heart. A human fallen heart. He says, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him will defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. In other words, that dirt on your fingers that you were so concerned about, it's dirt. God made it to be dirt. There's nothing inherently sinful about the dirt. You may be asking, you know, isn't evil located outside and in in the world? Don't we see evil in the world? And, And for instance, like this week, watching the news, you see Afghanistan and like, yes, evil. We have three enemies evil in the world the evil one, Satan, and then there's the flesh. And what Jesus is referring to here is the flesh. Our flesh. Notice how even the disciples themselves had a hard time understanding what Jesus was saying. It should remind us that whether we've been Christians for 50 years or 50 days we need to be searching our hearts the human heart is a spring a fountain of evil if we are honest with ourselves we would see that there are things deep down inside That we wouldn't dare share with the person sitting next to us right now. We live in a world, in a culture, that tells us differently. The culture around us wants to tell us that human beings are inherently good, the world touts the importance of self esteem. In some sense that is true we need to esteem who we are made in God who we are and made in God's image but we need also to be cognizant of what comes out of our hearts and look at the list that Jesus provides verse 21 for from within out of the heart of man come evil thoughts sexual immorality Theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and yes, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Many years ago, the theologian St. Augustine tried to illustrate this point. The condition of the human heart, its natural condition. He tried describing the behavior of babies. I love babies, babies are cute. My wife and I have, f- have lived in three different states, and we've had a child in each one of those states. And so every once in a while I'll say, honey, we got 47 to go. <laughs> then she feels assured about the wickedness in my heart. <laughs> Just kidding. But so Augustine uses these, um, these babies, cute babies, twins. And he describes that as babies, they're so quick to fight over their mother's milk. They go at it. That even at that age, being so cute, stinking sinners. That's the natural human condition. It's what we are conceived into. There is, and I'm trying to make this very clear, there is an unholy, defiled, using that same word, fire that rages in our hearts. Our sin is not just our brokenness. It is active rebellion against God. John Calvin defined the human heart as Kind of factory of idols, for instance. Factory of idols. That unholy, defiled fire manifests itself like a toxic smoke that comes out of our mouths and fills our brains with evil thoughts, and it comes out of our hands and our feet. Makes them defiled. Thoughts that we would never share with anyone. Things, sins that we do, and things we don't do that we should be doing. If you want to read about the human heart, take a look at the prophet Jeremiah. The heart is deceitful above all things, he writes. desperately sick. That's why we need a new one. This passage, Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees and scribes, it shows us our need for the cross. There is a built-in inner Pharisee in all of us. We can't help it. Desperately sick. What Jesus came to do. When Jesus came and fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law, He came to make what was defiled, what was common. What was unholy, holy, clean, able to approach God by his mercy. No amount of water, no amount of scrubbing could accomplish that. It is only by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the greatest promises we have that have been fulfilled when we hear about the gospel is from the prophet Ezekiel. Again, talking about the heart. If you look up the word heart in your Bibles, you're going to get passage after passage after passage. The promise is, I will give them a new heart. And a a new spirit I will put with them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Where are our hearts this morning? Would you join me in a word of prayer? Most gracious and heavenly Father, you know each and every one of the hearts in this room right now. No heart beats without your will. Just as every hair is counted. those things that we wouldn't share with the person sitting next to us, you know. You know what it is that we're holding on to that is leaving us to wander. You know how much we need you. I pray for the heart that may be in this room right now or hearts that does not know you that by your spirit you would reveal the depths of our sin to whoever that is would you make them born again born of your spirit we praise you for your word we praise you we give you thanks for the sacrament the way in which you call us together and you draw us closer to yourself may we live lives honoring to you glorifying you praising you all of our days It is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we pray this. Amen.